Welcome back to the American Israelite Newspaper Podcast, the Let There Be Light Podcast. And today is, uh, well, today is Thursday, August 18th. Today is actually the 17th, but we're doing this, you know, day early. But uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Netzanel Ted Deutsch, and I'm here with my other co-host, my lovely wife. Hello, I'm Stephanie Deutsch, and we have a special guest with us today. Hi, wait, before I introduce myself. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I think you should say it differently. What? Well, when you say my lovely wife. <laughs> well, how do you think it comes across to the listeners? I know that she's your lovely wife, uh, but you should say my lovely wife. My and lovely then, wife. Where's the princess thing that I usually love? Oh, wait, you know, yeah, wait, sound, wait. A sound hold effect. On, hold on. Yeah, hold because on. come on. She is lovely. There you go. That's more like it. And you know, I'm going to need that sound effect every time I'm here now. That's right. That's going to be mine. That is going to be hers. I like Cincinnati Reds players, they have their special walk-on music. That can be mine. Well, see, I will now officially uh, give that to her as her sound effect. It I used like to be it when mine. Pam is here. There you go. That's hers. Okay, okay listener. Can you, uh, speak into the microphone? Listener, so we can whenever hear you hear saying. that sound effect, you will think of Ted's lovely wife, not <laughs> lovely wife. Okay, now. First of all, I want to just say it's very presumptuous of you to say welcome back because not everybody is coming back. Maybe there are those who are no, listening for are, the first we reg- time. We have regular listeners. I get that, but you know, you're making a generalization. So my every time I listen, I think, well, wait, how do you know I'm not a first time listener? Oh, uh, well, if you're a first time listener, then you know, uh, well, welcome, welcome. welcome here. There you go. There you go. Okay, so. Uh, my name is Pam Sakes, for those Who's of you. Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> I used to be the Joan Rivers. Now I'm like the <laughs> occasional pop-in guest. Uh-huh. And speaking of pop-in guests. Pop-in? You know how you used to have a, a pop quiz in school? Yes, which yes. I, yeah. I was never prepared for those. <laughs> yes. Well, ever. that's the point of a pop quiz. Well, exactly. But I, you're right. No <laughs> one's ever actually prepared, but they're hoping that you've done your reading or whatever it was. Yeah, well, I think it was if you did your homework. Right. Exactly. Which they checked to see if you did your homework well, by reading a chapter the other day. Yeah, right, or right. Ready, you know. Or studying your whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, so often I had a problem with those pop quizzes. But today I'd like to have what I want to call a pop interview before we begin talking yeah. about what's in the paper. Uh-huh. Because as a frequent listener, mm-hmm. I noticed that when Stephanie's come on the podcast, I think you've now co-hosted once, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought to myself, well, gosh, I don't know anything about Ted's lovely wife. Well, I like to maintain a, an air of she, she wants to have a like a low profile. Okay, well, good for her. But now I'm on the show, <laughs> and I would like to interview Stephanie uh, and, and, okay. just, and ask her a few questions about herself, because I think that as someone who's going to be an ongoing co-host of the show... Yeah. We as listeners deserve to know more. We demand to know more. Who are you and why are you here? That's right. No, I wouldn't ask it that way. Oh, my God. He's Teddy Goat Gruff over here. Okay. I'm used to it. Don't worry. Oh, my God. Well, don't get too used to it. You better be nice or else, you know. Why do I want to be? You're in trouble. always nice to you. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. nice. Okay, so Stephanie, what can, tell us about yourself. First of all, where where were you born? And tell us a little bit about young Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Pam. Um, so I, I was born in um, Arcanum, Ohio, which is a rural village um, in Dark County. And then when I was 
about. Well, you have to say you went to the Dark County Fair every year. That's true. I still go to the Dark County Fair now, almost you, every year. Did you enter a sheep? No, I was never a contestant. Never a contestant. Always an observer. Always <laughs> a, an observer. a visitor. Wait, wait, hold on. Back. Dark County is wait, like. Sh- wait, hello. Okay. Whose interview is this, you're, mister? You're, you're interviewing. Yeah, Go and ahead. who's Go. the interviewee? I she think that's is. me. Okay, who? and her name is your lovely wife, Stephanie. Oh. Okay, we're getting the hang of it now. We're training, Ted. There we're you training. go. There uh-huh. you go. Go ahead. Okay, so where where did you live? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've never been to it's this Arcanum. place. Arcanum. Arcanum. Mm-hmm. Arcanum, Ohio. So it's in Dark County. But right, that doesn't yeah. tell me anything. It's where up is by it? Dayton Wait. to the west. West of Dayton. Yes. Wait, Ted. Just, I'm giving you some so background I'm here. I'm asking Stephanie. Well, she doesn't. I feel like doesn't. a mediator here. It, you oh. be quiet. Okay, Stephanie, where is it? So, Ted's <laughs> right. It's about, I would say, like an hour west, northwest of Dayton. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. It's, it, it's not, like I said, it's a village. So, it's not It's not a huge, you know, right. thriving metropolis that's easily found on a map. Okay, uh, it's but it's not so cool. Okay. Yeah, and so, is it like rural focus. and, right, the mm-hmm. people have farms mm-hmm. and... Uh, yes, we... Uh, our, the house that we lived in when I was younger, it was, you know, by a farm. Oh. So we would, you know, sometimes play in their cornfield. So I'm sure they have, appreciated did it. Did it have indoor plumbing? Yes, we had indoor plumbing. But, <laughs> fun fact. Mm-hmm. And this, fun fact. Oh, here we go. Uh, at first, <laughs> we did not have our own private phone line. At first, I remember what we had what's called a party line. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some so listeners who may be a little older may know what I'm talking about. But for those who don't, a party line is when you share a phone line with neighbors, mm. and you know it's your phone call because it has a specific ring pattern. Mm. But you can pick up the phone and listen to other people's phone calls. Oh my! Anyway, wow. So no, like you know, phone sex. <laughs> well, I, or if what it's where are you well i was this? young so i, I wasn't <laughs> really you taking this conversation that, there pam <laughs> not you i just mean that like whoever shares the party line they better be watching out yeah, they yeah think they, you were, back then they probably talked a little bit more colloquial you know colonial english too you know maybe uh, oh yeah right well, i think people were probably a little bit more f- m- careful about what they talked about on the phone I, about, I, but yeah that was my point <laughs> exactly so great so okay so dark county mm-hmm. and so i've never heard of that county yeah okay. now, see now you'll have to check it out i, I know that you're dying to you know get, and get on the dark county the dark up. county fair is coming Which up it is play darts it's dark d-a-r-k-e oh. Dark. Dark county. Oh, I thought dart. you said dart. D-A-R-T. No, no not dart. No, dart. I like that. I thought that was super cool. Like, you know, like in a bar, dart you playing darts. <laughs> okay, Dark County. Mm-hmm. Now, well, how did it get that name? Named after That's Mr. and Mrs. Dark. That's a great question. I, I don't know. Okay. We'll but look you know that up. Who else? Mr. and Mrs. Dark were there. But you know what famous historical figure is also from Dark County? Who, Annie who, who? Oakley. Annie Oakley. Oh, Little Annie Miss Shershot. Mm. That's cool. She... I, when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Annie Oakley. Did you have a gun? I did not, no. Having a rifle? No, I did not. So You, you, know, you know, the songs you... from, you know, Annie, Get Your Gun, right? I, you know, I've actually never seen that musical. 
Mm-mm. I'm not a big musicals person. Oh my god, I know every song from it. I'll sing <laughs> it to you later. You know, You'll have to. You'll have to. Do you know the La Miserable? Uh, no, the, I don't like that. What does like that have that to do one? with Annie Oakley? I, well, that's I a musical. I know, but I know a lot of musicals. I like the more upbeat ones, not the ones where Hello, everybody d- Hello dies. Dolly. Of How about Hello Dolly? And Funny Girl. How about them? Oklahoma? Of course, I know them all. How about How, can you on sing? The what's the like most famous song in Oklahoma? The wind goes sweeping down the plain. How about the Surrey with the fringe on I know top? that one, too. <laughs> okay. I know. I can sing them all. You guys okay. are blowing me away with your Let music. Okay, well, Annie Oakley, no, that's cool. <laughs> there's Very a cool. Whole, there's a museum that has a special exhibit. I'm going to go see that. Yeah. That's fun. Okay, so good. So you grew up in Dark County in a place that starts with an A that's a village. An Arcanum. Arcanum. Then, she mm-hmm. went, then, she moved, then they moved to West Carrollton. Yeah, Carrollton, then we moved okay. to West Carrollton, which Your is a suburb a of Dayton. At, uh, Wait, Ted. Ted. Well, I'm just <laughs> adding a little background here. Uh, okay. Yeah, my, my younger sister was born. You know, we needed more more a, a larger house. And, yeah, my, both of my parents worked. And driving back and forth to Arcanum every day was, was a haul. So, okay. Yep. Okay. Good. So then you went to school there, grew up there, mm-hmm. and then what? And then what? when I was uh, twenty, I decided that I wanted to have that traditional, you know, live at college experience, and so I transferred down to UC. Okay. So I'm a Bearcat. Woo-hoo, go Bearcat! Yeah. So yeah, with Ted being a Bobcat, there's always been a little <laughs> yeah, bit of friction. Yeah, the Bobcat versus <laughs> the Bearcat, and who would win that battle? Oh well, the, the Bearcats, bear. obviously. And so. do you know why? Because if you put so. a guy named Bob up a guy against a bear, yeah. guess nope. who would win? Absolutely. I'm Either a guy named Bob or a cat. Eight. They don't have a prayer next to a bear, right? right. It's Bearcats all the way. Sorry. Did you go to UC? No, my kids went to UC. I went to OSU. <laughs> oh, you're a Buckeye. Yeah, I am a fighting Buckeye. Okay, that's great. So let's put it this way. The Bob, the cat, and the bear could completely annihilate <laughs> the Buckeye. A squirrel could annihilate a Buckeye. Hey. But not the actual team. I'm just no. talking about oh, okay. the, the now, official are, Buckeye. Now, have you, have you are you done with your interview No, yet? no, no. Okay, we we got, there's more. There's more. Ten minutes of an interview here. No, it's come really on. Gone. You know what? Everybody can read the paper. They don't get no, a chance we, to we know about go Stephanie. We through the paper. Oh, my God. We will. We'll get there. We're yeah. going to yeah. get there. Hurry but up. you know what? Oh, stop. The readers need to be able to relate to us. That's right. Uh Okay, guess who's getting the next pop interview? (laughs) So just hold your horses. Okay, so then you you went to UC, and what was your major? Uh, English. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. I still don't, still looking for good answers. But I I like to read, and I thought, well, maybe I'll be an editor. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a plan. Well, okay, but that's what brought you <laughs> but to... But everybody, everybody needs good writing skills, they good do. communication skills. And so. I have to say that that's what has carried me through my whole life, is being able to be, to, to you know, be a good writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a skill that you will always be able to use yep. and will always be needed by everybody under the sun. I can tell you... Sorely how, needed. How many college essays I've written, how many <laughs> applications I've helped people fill out, how many articles I've written for TED, uh, and the list goes on. But then, speaking of TED, didn't you use some of those writing and editing skills at The Israelite? I did. Now, if you ask TED, he'll say I didn't use enough of them. But oh, well, I'm not asking Ted. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I wrote a, a fashion column for about a year. Oh. And at the end of the year, I, you know, that, that was it. <laughs> she quit. Well, that was fun for a while. It was fun. Well, I mean, look, everybody quits 
at the Israelite. I moved on. <laughs> I moved on to to other they keep things. Keep circling back and forth. Well, she the did the right. ultimate circling back. <laughs> so let's talk about. So okay. So then, then after that, what did you do? Oh, I'm sorry. After, after the well, poem, was, or? no, no, no. That her writing fashion was just that was a side, side gig. Right. As they her say. normal. She worked at Toyota. Oh, what did you do there? Uh, I was in their ethics and compliance office. That's so cool. I yeah so I by uh, during the day I am a a risk professional, and so what does a risk professional do? Well, the area of risk that I'm in is conduct risk. Uh, so I so the kinds of things that I look at are what what could be encouraging or driving employees to commit misconduct or <laughs> do inappropriate things, and when those when that misbehavior happens. What can we do to prevent it from happening again? Oh, okay. Do you also think about proactively what could prevent it from happening even the first time? Uh, yes, yes. Always, always trying to, um, always trying to make sure that it's an organization that promotes good behavior, that promotes strong values and integrity. That is a really cool job. I didn't even know something like that existed. Yep. So wow. Well, you must be a very patient person. You know, somebody who has a lot of good listening skills. I would imagine it takes a lot of that kind of thing. It is a lot of a, li- a lot of listening, a lot of negotiation, uh, a lot of analysis, and and really, it's it's working with other people because by yourself you don't get much done. You can only get things done when you work with other people, which is, as you know, very true in many facets of life. Yeah. In every facet of life, so that's great. Well, you got a good one here, a great one, Ted. I tell okay. him that he all got the time. so lucky. Wow! Yeah. And I had the honor and pleasure of being at your wedding. What five or six years ago now? Yeah, almost six years. Oh my God! Oh, time Goodness. flies. My gosh! Yes, and it was wonderful. We were happy, <laughs> Ted. <laughs> Are those little birdies of happiness? No, is that what crickets. that sound effect is? Crickets. Yeah, I think. Well, he's Teddy Groat, Teddy Goat Gruff. You know, Billy Goat Gruff. Okay, over here. But you know what I say? It's like sort of the Israelis, the Sabras. You know, they they have like that thick, that tough exterior. Tough exterior, but they're so sweet inside. You're just like a little teddy bear. Okay, I can we know like you. get on with the news See, listen now? To him. He's blushing. Yeah, he doesn't like it. Well, okay, I, we're going to move on. Wait, there's one more thing. What? Hurry up. We have another pop interview that we need to do here. Yeah. And what is that? There's only one other person sitting in this at this table. And Me? his name is Theodore. Uh-huh. Okay, Ted, we want to know something about you that we don't know. I mean, everybody okay, in the Okay, so when I was uh in uh grade school, uh I played for the Wilson Freighters in North Avondale, and I was an all-star third baseman for the Wilson Freighters. Wait, wait, back up. What's a freighter? Like a the Wilson Freight like Company. Like a freight truck? Oh. Yeah, freight truck was freighter. called Wilson Freight Freight Truck. Okay. And we were called the Wilson Freighters. Okay. And I was an all-star You're... third baseman. Wow. That's all I need. Okay, See, we're, I, we're I didn't moving even on that. to the news. This is like no. new information. How long did, did you play baseball all while you were growing up? Yes, uh-huh. And then I was a football player, too. I was a running back. And, and you I, did cross-country, right? You yes, I did. Uh-huh. Wow, Mr. Athletic. I'm very athletic, yeah. Doesn't still, he look I'm like little athletic. Princess Leia over there? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're moving on now. All we right. have to do an interview in a little Thank bit. You. And we just do some news. Thank you for this lovely interview from right. both of you, but mostly so, Stephanie. The top story this week is profiles and leadership. We do profiles and leadership 
here and there, and it's not all the time, but we do it on occasion, and it's Marcy Backrack, who you grew up with. Yes, I did. I knew Marcy from since high school. She grew up in Roselawn, and I grew up in Finneytown, and we were both members of BBG and BBYO, mm-hmm. and we knew each other through our... We had six chapters of BBYO at the time in Cincinnati, three BBG oh, really? and three AZA, yes. Huh. There was one in Finneytown, well, two, the, the boys and the girls, two in Roselawn and two in Wyoming. And uh, it was really very, very strong organization where Marcy says in her in this article where she her learned. began her whole yeah. like, uh, career of uh, mm-hmm. volunteering. Yeah, I mean, I would. I invo- would being involved. Let's say being involved. I would say that, that BBYO was responsible. Those Jewish leaders and those people who are prominent in the Jewish world to this day, I would say that a vast majority of them had their beginnings in BBYO. It is incredible, you know, How teaching come, kids why, yeah, leadership. Yeah, they're saying, why did all these leaders come out of BBYO? Well, sort of, it's not affiliated with any particular denomination. And while the Jewish religion is, of course, important, they teach right. Jewish values and Jewish leadership. The leadership piece is what's really, my son is the Cincinnati uh, assistant, Cincinnati director of BBYO uh, right now. And he, in fact, just staffed their BBYO leadership camp for teens, uh, you know, teens from the entire country come and they learn leadership skills. And it's what happens in their chapters on a local level. And they have the opportunity to have leadership positions and to learn what it means. I know for me, it was, it made all the difference in the world. Um, And so that's just one piece of what all right, well, we she's, say about she, Marcy. right, she volunteers for quite a few organizations, and um, we just want to do, like, a little story on her and uh, some of the different organizations she's involved with, so. Well, uh, and, and can I just say that Marcy is just so committed to our community and has done so many great things behind the scenes. She is really a dynamo and is very humble, has never, you know, really asked for any kind of recognition, so I think it's phenomenal that you you know featured her the way you did because so often in our community it's the same people over and over and over again that get recognized with awards and so on and ted you've always done a good job of you know um showcasing people who really are deserving but never get the opportunity to you know like stephanie said wow when she read about marcy she was blown away right yeah so moving on wait stop all the we have to we've got to go through the whole paper and you guys are just slogging and slogging and slogging so according to who me i'm the boss and i was just gonna say i she's obviously a very energetic individual just you know all the organizations that she has you know led and and really been involved with i i was just blown away i didn't realize that she you know was had had been in that many leadership positions that's great okay yeah so on page three we've got an ad for israeli dancing at cafe alma and i just want to bring that up that there's uh whether you have any experience or not Every Monday night from 7 to 9, they have Israeli dancing at Cafe Alma on Montgomery Road. So go and have some fun. Go do some dancing. Are you going to do it, Ted? I'm thinking about it. But I have meetings on Monday nights. So I think you should skip the meeting. <laughs> skip the meetings and go dancing. All right. Moving yeah. on to page four. <laughs> We've got uh, Create Your Jewish Legacy, um, a story on them, and that they have now... Um, attained a number of $170 million total value of the estimated legacy commitments secured to date. So this started several years ago where um, 
this was brought into town. I think it was started in some other city, but it was brought into Cincinnati. And um, everybody, I think, everybody I know is involved in giving a legacy gift to uh, the Federation through that. And um, it's really doing very, very well. So um, if you're thinking about, you know, having some part of your will or some part of your legacy to donate, that's, it's a great way to do it. And you don't have to be, you know, really you fabulously wealthy, right? Yeah. No, you can leave a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars, whatever you want. It's just as long, you know, it's something that you can leave your legacy for, mm-hmm. for Sadaka. Yeah. All right, moving on. All right, on page five, Marlene Ostro was awarded the 2022 Michel Vider Mensch Award. Uh, which is presented annually by the Jewish Federation to someone who has volunteered in a leadership role uh, on a Jewish Federation committee or create your Jewish legacy team. Uh, So Marlene uh, is the chair of the Create Your Jewish Legacy team, which we were just talking about. And she's also been a member of multiple committees, including the Chestnut Street Street Committee, uh, which has done really great work uh, on the Chestnut Street um, Cemetery. Cemetery. Yeah recently so i have they you redid the whole cemetery We've yeah i was just there. gonna ask pam have you been no, there uh-huh. it's they the did a phenomenal job right, for the bicentennial they cleared out all the overgrowth all the trees everything they uh secured the area and then in the front there's a new paver stones and bricks and it's it's really it's a nice cemetery now i mean mm-hmm. it was when i was there several years ago before they did the work and it was overgrown and you had Bushes and all kinds. Oh, okay. They cleaned it, completely cleaned it up, cleaned up all the headstone. I mean, it looks really nice now. That's great. Yeah, wow. They did a really good job on that. Well, Marlene is a, is a good person. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, congratulations, Mazel yeah. to her. And Michelle Peter was quite the, I met him when he was 90, 90 years old. And I originally met him because he was the uh, part of this program we started at Yavna, Rockhorn, right, right. Um, called Door to Door, Generation okay. to Generation. And we asked, people like Michelle to come in and, and be in the classroom with the kids once a week for the entire school year. He was, he was very, uh, he was an interesting man. Yes, he was. Very interesting. Yes, he was. Uh, a Holocaust was, survivor. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, quite, quite, you know. He was and, just a, he was, he was a nice man. He was a little bit of a character, but he was a nice guy. Yeah, we actually used to have him for Shabbat dinner yeah. here and there. We took him to his very first movie that he's, had ever seen. Really? I can't believe well, that he had never seen. We took him to the IMAX at the, isn't it the IMAX, the one at the uh, museum like, center? Yeah, right, yeah. Right, the right. I, I didn't realize he had never seen a movie. So, I mean, oh, you know. Wow. That's, that's like would blow him away. I yeah. know. I said, Michelle, this is not like a normal, normal movie theater. I didn't realize he hadn't, you know, and he said, no, I've never seen a movie before. I couldn't believe that. But I guess in a movie theater is what he meant. Okay. All right. So, so anyway. uh, on page five, there's an ad for. My name is Sarah, which is a film by Stephen uh, Orrit, and actually we're going to go to we'll, uh, we're going to do an interview of Stephen Orrit. Um, I'll wait a few minutes before I call him because he's going to be waiting for our call. Um, but we'll go back to this and we'll insert the interview as soon as we come back to it. But it starts. Uh, uh, op- it opens uh, August. The the film starts August nineteenth at the Marymount Theater. Over on Wooster Pike, but we'll come. We'll then come back and do the interview of Stephen Orton a little bit. All right. Okay. Okay. So we're skipping uh, national politics because I know that it'll just cause nothing but problems here today. 
So why uh, would you say that? I wouldn't. I have no idea. See, <laughs> your father. Should I bring up your mother? You're and your father, and 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 what he's. You know, you'll there be an ad in the paper that you'll be going gaga over in about a week or so. Okay. Why will I be going gaga? Well, over? because it's from the other side, and you know, I know how you feel about the other side and all that stuff. Right, so, but I love my father, and I respect father. him, even though his politics are wrong. <laughs> I still <laughs> love and respect him. Uh, and so if you're listening out there, Ron Richards, now you know where it's coming from. <laughs> okay, well, we're moving on to uh, Michael Steinhardt has resigned the bo- from the uh, NYU uh, board, and there was some discrepancy as to the reason, but the reason to some extent was – he was has been collecting all these antique and or antiquities, antiques. ancient artifacts, and some of the the provenance of some of these artifacts. Let's call it provenance. Yeah, the provenance of where it came from. Look at you and, with your and, fancy yeah, vocabulary. Yeah, a fancy word. And um, where it came from, and so there's some people have been saying that some of these artifacts were stolen or they have some kind of nefarious history to them. And he just said, you know what? I'm going to give them all back, and I'm going to donate them to back to where, you know, the countries and the stuff like that, and just, you know what? I'm getting out of this. I don't want any controversy. I, I'm an honest man, and I don't want to be thought of as a dishonest man, so I'm just giving it all back. And, uh, and I'm resigning because I don't want it to be a distraction to NYU and he, he's an honest man. He just said, you know what? I'm just washing my hands of all this. He says he was fooled. Mm-hmm. He didn't realize that they were that they were stolen relics. Yeah, quite, well, we don't know if they're stolen or not, but there's Allegedly, a right. question mark over some of the antiquities. Wow. Yeah. Well, you just never know. I mean, and these things are millions and millions of dollars. You know, this is the original whatever, you know what I mean, from, from the first temple period, the second temple period. And there's people that, it's like, you know. Those, Antiquities fraud is a big business. Mm-hmm. What about, um, you know, like from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like, you know, from Indiana Jones that was going and searching for these things. And people would find stuff and then it would get sold and sold and sold and sold and sold. And there's a question as to who owned it, where it came from. and the, Authenticity. Yeah, legitimacy of it and all that kind of stuff. And how many people died Getting that, you know, there's all kinds of just nefarious stuff going on out there. Wow. Well, I will say Michael Steinhardt was one of the original founders of the Birthright Israel exactly, program. Exactly, and, exactly. you know, a brilliant philanthropist who, you know, really has made quite the difference in our Jewish world. How, how many kids have gone to right. Israel through Birthright? And it's, um, you know, like we keep bringing up all this whole thing about the 2020 census and about the Jewish census that we did and all that and it keeps going back to if you send your kids to jewish day camp and also to overnight camp and they uh, go to a like a, a, a you know um a day school day school and then birthright and it keeps them on that path of uh, jewishness right you know? well and i do think that there is these philanthropists that 
got together, what, about 20 years ago or maybe a little bit more, and they said, you know, we cannot wait for the organized Jewish community to figure this stuff out because there's just so many loopholes and red tape and all the other things that you have to go through when you've got lots of committees and boards and funders, but when you are a private foundation. You just do your own mm-hmm. thing. You know, so they got together, the Steinharts and the Schustermans and some of the different big Jewish uh, right. uh, foundations and said, we're just going to do this thing and they made it happen and I don't you know I don't think without them something like this never could have occurred so all right kudos um, to them so I'm gonna make my phone call now and set up this interview with um well okay you want to take a, take a well, little I was break? gonna say are, is it something you're gonna insert yeah well maybe let's finish up our part and then if you're okay. good with that and then I can take okay. off is that okay okay all right I'd so, appreciate it okay um on page 12 in Israel news uh, the ceasefire brokered by Egypt ends days of fighting between Israel and Palestinian militants. So uh, the Palestinian militants, and we, there's another story that is about this, were firing rockets and rockets and rockets into Israel from Gaza, and, and thousands of them. And um, so the Israelis said enough of this, and they went into Gaza and started blowing up. Actually, it started because I think they killed a top a commander, um, from one of their top commanders, Israel knew where he was staying, and they blew up the house. And that's what started them sending rockets over to Israel, you know, blowing up stuff. Um, and then it just kept escalating, escalating. Well, Egypt said enough. So, you know, they brokered a deal where they would see there was a ceasefire. And we've had peace there for, what, maybe about a week or two now, where they're not uh, sending rockets to each other and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully it holds, at least for a while. All right. Mm-hmm. So, and then in that, um, the follow-up, there's another story on page 13. Islamic Jihad receives tens of millions of dollars a year from Iran. And that's from the Israeli defense. So they're getting all this money from Iran, and they're buying all these weapons and buying all these rockets in Gaza. And then those, they're, they're firing these rockets into Israel, which is what caused this whole battle in this war, the recent war. You know, I don't know if you call it a war, but um, recent skirmish, let's call it conflict, conflict. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, I think it's pretty well known that Iran is behind a lot of various terrorist operations just throughout the, throughout the globe. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Rockhorn holds its annual meeting. This was on May 19th, and yours truly was there taking photos. They had their annual meeting, and uh, then after the meeting, they had a uh, barbecue. And so these photos on 14, 15, 16, 17 are from the barbecue. And there's a lot of uh, questionable people in these photos. Questionable? Yeah, I was going to say that, questionable. What does that mean? Well, we know all these people. So why do you call them questionable? Well, what the heck? I'm just adding to the suspense. I see, the suspense. <laughs> well, I, you know, I want to say real quick, related to the front page story about Marcy in, in, in Rockward. So she was the most immediate past president. She started, you know, I have done a lot of events in the community. So I really, you know, have to call somebody out for a great idea when I see one. Right. And this Let It Glow program that she started at Rockward is really clever. If you haven't seen it, I'm hoping they'll do it again this year on Hanukkah. Have you guys seen it? I mm-hmm. have not, no. Yeah, they do all these giant inflatables and all these oh, like oh, lights. Okay. And it's a drive-through. Okay. Uh, 
exhibition. I might have driven by that one at night. night. Yeah, yeah, I think I might have during Hanukkah. Yeah, okay. It's super I cute think, with okay. music idea. and yeah, it was a brilliant idea. And mm-hmm. us, you know, especially during COVID, before many of us were even vaccinated, mm-hmm. we were able to go out and do something and just sit in our car and enjoy, you know, uh, the fun, fun stuff that they the put kids. together. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm hoping that they'll do it again this year. But um, Kudos a, lot to them. Of, a lot of great photos here. A very professional quality. Oh, I'd oh like professional to add. quality. Is that right? Taken by humblephoto.com. <laughs> no, that was from Ted Deutsch, not Tumble Photo. Well, one and the same. All right. Um, there is a letter to the editor from Bob Schneider. And there's also a, a couple of uh, op-eds. You want to talk about uh, Salman Rushdie and the Satanic Clerks? clerics of Iran? Yeah, so I I think probably many of our readers may have heard about the stabbing incident. Um, Salman Rushdie was at the Chautauqua Institute uh, in New York, and he was getting ready to come Every year they have a summer institute and um, lecture series. Um, Different people since they have been there. Oh, yeah. um, So it's, it's an ongoing thing every year. The Yazgers go, I think, every year. Oh, do they go? Uh-huh. That sounds very interesting. It is. It's cool. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, anyway, so uh, he, was, he was stabbed. So about almost 40 years ago, he had written a book called Satanic Verses. The Satanic The Verses. Satanic Verses. Satanic, not Satanic. Oh, my God, Ted. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> and uh, obviously, it, it caused a, an uproar uh, in, in Middle Eastern countries because yes. it was critical of Islam. It was critical of... of um, like fundamental... No, uh, of the Prophet Muhammad. So you have to go to that, what it actually was. Okay, well, at any rate, so it was critical of the Prophet Muhammad. Yes. And uh, anyway, so he had a, a fatwa uh, put against him. And so, you know, for, for many years, he lived in hiding because there were people who, you know, were trying to kill him yes. uh, because there was a, you know, a big financial reward for, for doing so. And, you know, in more recent years, he, he has come out of hiding and has become more of a public figure because it's been a long time. And he probably thought that, you know, he, he was safe. And so unfortunately this, this incident happened and, you know, really, I think it, it, highlights the issue of artistic freedom, artistic expression. You know, is any particular group immune to criticism or, or even ridicule? Um, well, so. the Muslims take great umbrage at anybody saying anything about mm-hmm. Muhammad. And so, you know, there were cartoons several years yeah, ago in Charlie Denmark, Hebdo. and um, that caused a lot of problems and this was uh they believe that this writing this book that he did caused a lot of problems and was disrespectful towards their 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 profit Mm -hmm. well what's interesting is that after the stabbing incident uh the satanic verses it jumped uh onto the bestsellers list so i mean ultimately the attack defeated the whole purpose anyway and also, I think he is the father of Padma Lakshmi's child. Mm. You know who she is? No. She's, she's a, she's a, a, a model, cook. but she was also um, on Top Chef yeah. for many, many years. A beautiful uh, model. But uh, anyway, so I think that their daughter, um, uh, that he's the father uh, of their mm. daughter. Okay. Well, that's right. a little interesting tidbit. Yeah, Cedra of the Week this week is Parsha 
Ekev from Deuteronomy, and I haven't read it. Um, I think they're now going in. This is the part uh, Moses is now leaving. Uh, these are the the, the uh, parshas where between now and Rosh Hashanah, where he is leaving um, of being uh, the in command and also in um, the leadership role of um, the Jewish people, and and he's turning it over to to uh, Joshua. And he's giving instructions over these several weeks. Uh, he gives a, an accounting of what they, where they've been, what they did, and he goes through different things. We're now we're entering the land, and he's telling them that they should not do the things that the people that were in the land did before um, the Jews came there, and they were doing some bad stuff. Let's just put it that way: stuff you wouldn't do at home. Okay. Okay. There's Pam. <laughs> All right. Now, moving on to uh, from the pages on 20. So each week, the American Israelite will print one milestone related to the history of the Cincinnati Jewish community over the last 200 years provided by the Cincinnati Jewish Cincinnati Bicentennial Committee. Each milestone weaves Jewish history within the greater context of our community's development and our country at large. 1949. Uh, the Cincinnati Hillel is established on Straight Street by a group of students and sponsors to provide a center for Jewish life to University of Cincinnati students. Hmm. Now, you have, have you been on the? You're on the. Are you on the board there? I was. You were on the board at one time. At one time. Yeah. And and also you've got a typo here. Where's the typo? Jewish lie and it's life. Oh, Jewish <laughs> life. Okay. Yeah. So you're busy correcting. Big difference. You're busy correcting Stephanie. Yet. I've got a few circled uh, things here. You yeah. Well, you just go ahead and point them out to us right now. <laughs> she's you more polite. Me? She's more polite I'm than I'm kinder. You are. All right. So. so one of the items from 150 years ago yes. sounds quite intriguing. Uh-huh. In regard to the late Dr. Julius H. Dessar, we learn additionally that his friend and traveling companion, Mr. Bieber of New York, wrote to the sons of the deceased that the doctor was missing on the morning of the 5th of July, and the impression on board the ship was that he fell overboard during the night, which is easily explained. Wow. Sounds like so quite the, the murder. They were story. on a, uh, a mm. ship, obviously, going somewhere. and um, Sounds like the doctor just, fell. He, right, he fell overboard on the ship, and they couldn't find him. They probably did a head count the next morning for breakfast, and they're looking for the doctor, and we couldn't find the doctor. He fell over. I, I think that the American Israelite should do a follow-up okay, this and is really dig this into is, this. This is 1872. I don't really know if the records are still available at this yeah, point. Yeah, but you time. know, these crime, true crime podcasts, <laughs> oh, true they're, crime they're big that business. Was, oh, That's that true. I think this would be a genius You know who story. would get to the bottom of this. Who's that? Julie Babs Burns yeah, and Brooke. God. Okay, can we just cut that down <laughs> she to just loves that. two words? Julie Brooke instead of your best buddy, Julie Babs Burns and Brooke. Blah, 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 we blah, could, blah. but you just blah, now blah, 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 elevated blah. it to 25 blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Be good. Be nice. Okay, now. Um, oh, so you're filling in for her, aren't you? Right. Me? So you're, you're, you're trying to. Trying to fill her shoes. No one can fill her shoes. Uh, That's true. Okay. Pam All is right, her so own we're moving person. on to 125 years ago. Fort Reno, OT, uh, August 13th, a Jewish soldier by the name of Steinberg shot and severely wounded another soldier by the name of Cruzon 
at the Post here Wednesday afternoon. Steinberg is a quiet, unobtrusive man and an excellent soldier. Cruzan, a large, powerful man, has been casting slurs at the Jew, it is said, on occasion of his national identity. Nationality. Yesterday, between 4 and 5 o'clock, Cruzan, who is a quarter-breed Indian, called the Jews a foul name. Steinberg resented it, but the epithet was repeated. Seizing a rifle, Steinberg loaded it in the twinkling of an eye and aiming low, fired at Cruzan. The ball passed through the calf of Cruzan's leg, inflicting a painful and dangerous wound. Cruzan is in the hospital, and Steinberg is in the guardhouse. Wow. He's in jail. Big doings. All right. Uh, you want to do jottings? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so, 100 years ago, the aerial mail route established between Cairo and Baghdad has been extended to include Palestine. A regular fortnightly service will be maintained in each direction. So, the mail service gets underway. And mm-hmm. 75 years ago, a building obtained for Bond Hill Hebrew School, a temporary committee headed by Joe Cohen, Avonlea Avenue, has been engaged in establishing the Bond Hill Roselawn Hebrew School Beth um, Jewish Community House. A suitable building close to the Bond Hill Public School has been acquired. Registration is now open for fall attendance. Those interested are urged to call to call Mordecai Goldfarb, organiza- organizational executive director at Avon Two O Four One. Fifty years ago. Uh, Joseph Hirsch was appointed as the assistant rabbi of the Adith Israel Congregation. So Rabbi Hirsch is a graduate of Yeshiva University with the B.A. Magna Cum Laude with the graduation of awards and Bible and Jewish studies. So during his undergraduate years at Yeshiva University, he was enrolled at Yeshiva Rabbi Isaac Elkanan, where he studied Talmud. So some of our listeners may remember Rabbi Hirsch when he was in Cincinnati. Okay. Well, moving right. on to 10 years ago. Oh, wait. Can we just say we have to have a contest to see how to pronounce <laughs> this name of this bar mitzvah boy? I think it's a boy, is it? Yeah. Mr. or Mrs. James L. Pequino. Pick. Okay, listener. Here's how it's spelled P E Q U I G N O T. Okay, so you will pronounce it how? Pequino. And you would uh-huh. pronounce it how? I don't know. Pe- Pecanot. I don't think. Is that pe- definitive? Pecanot. No, it's not. Is, there, is that your guess? Maybe. I I'm think it's no. Guessing. It's pecanot. like pecano. Like I think it's the N O T, it's kind of a French pecanot. sounding. Oh, maybe the T is silent. I right. mean, anyway. Moving yes. right along. Oh, oh uh, I want to say something else. Uh-huh. Uh He was the grandson of Mr. and Mrs. Leonard Pecino of Greenville, Ohio. Uh huh. Greenville, Ohio, is in Dark County, very close to Arcanum, Ohio. Wow, you don't wow. say there was actually Jews in Dark County. Yeah, there's Jews everywhere. No, you don't Did say. you know him? I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, 25 years ago, the JCC mm. wins big at Kansas City Maccabi Games. Wow. Uh, the Jewish Community Center's delegation to Maccabi Youth Games in Kansas City last week returned home with a treasure trove of medals. 20 local teens participate in this year's annual Maccabi Youth Games. Four of them won 14 medals in swimming and chess. There were almost 800 teens participated in Kansas City from across the United States and Israel, but more than 4,000 athletes, 
also gathered in three other cities which hosted simultaneous Maccabi youth games. Hmm. All right, you want to do 10 sure, years 10 ago? 10 years ago, two local girls joined the Israeli Defense Forces, including Lainey Paul, 19, and Stephanie Zimmerman, 18. They made Aliyah. They left for Israel on August 13th. Immediately after becoming Israeli citizens, they will be joining the Israel Defense Forces. Their flight included a record high 127 soon-to-be IDF soldiers. And now, of course, Lainey Paul is back in Cincinnati. And she's now Lainey Paul Richler, Mm -hmm. and they own Cafe Alma. And Lainey also went on to become, uh, she was, uh, I guess, recruited, not recruited, but what do you call it, into uh, an elite force in Israel. Uh, in the army, sorry, um, and uh, she was never allowed to talk about the work that she right. did. And I think at one point she did write a column for the Israelite about some of her. She what, what she was doing. Of course not. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but you know, you really have to be something quite special to be. You know, I think it was inducted into the top elite secret. force. Yes, very yeah. top secret. Local girl makes good. That's right. All right. Um, in this today in Jewish history, uh, August. I'll just read some of the headlines because uh, August twentieth, nineteen twenty, Yeshiv publishes its the first medical journal. So the first Hebrew medical m- journal in Palestine uh, was being published quarterly um, in uh, nineteen twenty. Um, in nineteen fifty two, the first Israeli bonds mission begins. So the development course for Israel, commonly known as Israel Bonds brings 22 American leaders to Israel on a 15-day American Champions of Israel Bonds mission. Now it's uh, all over the place. Um, August 24th, 1954, Bank of Israel is established. And August 25th, 2004, Israel wins the first its first Olympic gold in the Olympics. All right. So this week I'm going to do bad at joke the end, of the week. At the end. We're not doing it now. Oh, sorry. Okay. Do it at the end. Oh, excuse. I'm gonna I'm gonna build up some suspense here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stephanie, another demerit, and you are out. No, you could be out. God. Please, please don't fire me. Yeah, oh, yeah, you have the, and I'll give that. You have the height of chutzpah. Why? Excuse because me. Because I'm going to. That's my lead-in to talk about Iris's uh, oh. column on 24. You've got the height of chutzpah. No, I think some people may have higher, higher levels. I'm I'm going to give him a taste of his own medicine. It's chutzpah. (laughs) Say it right. (laughs) Chutzpah. There you go. Okay, so everybody want to read? We, you know, everybody loves Iris's columns when she comes once a week, once a month. Wait, there's something in this that she didn't tell people, and I'm going to call her out on this. I was at that party that she's talking about for her birthday, and uh, they had this piece of paper on everybody's table that they said, do not turn this over until we tell you to. So I did not cheat. I waited until her husband got up and said that Iris was looking for pictures for their son's bedroom wall. You know this one? Okay, go ahead and tell your story, but keep it clean, because then I'll finish with what it actually was. Oh, you're going to tell the punchline. No, no, go ahead. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, so apparently she was looking for art for their little son. Let's call. Right, let's say right. he was six years old for his bedroom, right. and Iris found this really cute print of Noah's Ark. So she right. went to have it framed, and she told her husband, "Can you please pick the it up?" Per- it's we ready. had to mention it's the perfect color for his bedroom. Right, right. It had to match the bedroom exactly, and it was all the perfect colors, and it was just perfect. So Stephen, can you go pick up the print? It's ready at the um, framers. Yes. So he goes to pick it up, and he says, "Let me see it real quick." 
you know, I don't even know what this yeah, is. Yeah, make sure it's okay. Yeah, he looks at it, and he goes, oh, my God. He said, this can't be the right thing. And he says, no, it, it is what she picked. I promise you, it's what she brought in. He says, I can't believe it. So, Ted, do you want to tell what it was? Well, it's a picture of Noah and his wife fornicating. And it's got pictures all around the thing. The two of, by of two. Two by two of animals fornicating. <laughs> and and so Iris it's sends... A, it's a cartoon, it's though. It's a cartoony thing, but it's it's a pu- fu- picture. So Iris had her 75th birthday, and, and he Stephen brings up this story. And it's in the, the, the column. And not only that, but she sent me a picture of this picture. And said, will you put this in, Ted? And I said, I'm not putting this in the paper. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> no, she- <laughs> I, it would be like, I'm not putting this photo of people fornicating and blah, and the animals doing it and every animal doing it. And I said, Iris, what are you thinking? Well, And I it- called I said, Iris, I can't put this in the paper. And she goes... Steven said you wouldn't put it in. Well, honestly, the good news is, at least, it does my heart good to know that Iris actually never actually saw that in the picture. She just saw that it was the right color and had no idea. So Steven said they, of course, took the picture home. It never went in the kids' room, but he said it was like in their master bathroom, like for the last 40 years. So anyway, that's pretty funny. Uh, it's so like, it's, it's like, well, it's not, it's not like, cartoon porn it's kind of like well no it's not real cartoony but it's yeah. it's like a painting it's a painting but um, it's just it's not a little like a bit it's ri- let's put it it's risque well you know like a lot of the greek uh vases and things that you find have, have a lot of the stuff happening on there if you have to if you look at it pretty carefully because my brother came home from greece not realizing and gave my parents this big vase and it's got some real raunchy stuff going on and my mom was like oh my god and my brother didn't even <laughs> realize it so you know that's anyway so i can see how it can happen but when when you see this picture of the ark you're kind of you have to say to yourself iris you've got to be kidding no one could miss this that's hysterical but it was funny anyway the story that i thought was cute from her article is you know her her husband had stood up and and told this story about you know her coming to work for him after the kids had grown up a little bit and had gone back to school and, you know, she, she had, had done something and he said, Iris, this is not going to work. I think you should find other employment now. I thought that was very cute and I, I could empathize. Right. <laughs> so, moving on. Of to, course he would say moving on after yes. that. Okay, <laughs> obituaries and uh, death notices. Uh, there's a, a, a Alexander Cohen um, who passed away on August 8th is a obituary for him. Um, he was 92. And then um, there is an obituary for Gene Tobias, who passed away on August 14th. Um, so we'll do death notices. Robert Brown, age 79, August 7th, 2022. The 10th of all, 10th of Av. So there's a mistake there. It shouldn't be 2022-21. Uh, he, that 21 is a misspell. Uh, 10th of Av, 5782. Next. Anna Sherkov, nay Levin, age 93, August 17th, 2022. 17th of Av, 5782. 
And uh, we already, do you want to do that one? Gene Hillary Tobias, nay Resnick, age 77, August 14th, 2022, the 17th of Av. All right. Um, so that pretty much wraps up the paper. We will do our interview in a minute. Go ahead and read the... Uh, um, the bad joke of the week? Is, is it my time yeah, now? bad joke of the week. All yeah. right. Yeah. A man had been stranded on a desert island for many, many years. Every day he goes out to the beach and looks out on the horizon looking for some action. One day he sees a steamer in the distance. He's so excited. It's the first sign of life he's seen in years. He builds a little fire by the shore and throws some leaves on it so there will be smoke rising. He starts jumping around, waving his hands. Sure enough, the steamer stops, turns, and starts heading toward him. He's so thrilled. He sees the small lifeboat come off. Six guys jump in it, and they're paddling to him. He runs out to meet them. I'm so happy you're finally here. They say, sir, we'll take you wherever you want to go. We're here to save you. (laughs) He says, that's great, but... First, I want to show you around my island. I've lived here many years, so I've done a few things to it. He shows them the grove of fruit trees that he's planted from seeds of fruit that have washed ashore. He shows them his house, a little shack which he's built and lived in. He takes them to another shed and says, this is my synagogue. This is where I pray. One of the guys looks around and sees there's another shed in the distance. He says, what's that over there? The man says, that's the other synagogue. I don't go there. (laughs) <laughs> wait that is the lamest joke well, you've no, ever heard like literally it's been okay great lame no 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 <laughs> All right, that, so that is many variations of that exact I'm gonna joke i'm going to call our okay well i'm going to let you go then because i've got to run so bye adios Thanks for coming. Sure. Hello. Hello. Is this Stephen Orit? Yes, it is. Hi, Stephen. This is Ted Deutsch, and I'm the publisher of the American Israelite. You're live on our podcast, and we're calling today to talk to you about your film that you were director of, which is uh, My Name is Sarah. Yes. How you doing, Ted? Good, good, good. And so it's opening, I believe, uh, this weekend at Marymount Theater in uh, Cincinnati. Correct. Yeah, this this Friday it's opening uh, at the Marymount. Great. Tell us about the film and your involvement in it and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, the, the film is uh, based on the true story of a 12-year-old Polish Jew by the name of Sarah Goralnik, who uh, was born in 1930 and uh, grew up on the border of what was then uh, Poland, and uh, Soviet-occupied Ukraine. And she, um, in 1942, uh, lost her parents, her brothers, uh, to uh, the Nazis that had um, moved them all into the ghetto in the town of Koretz. And the night before the uh, the ghetto was to be liquidated, uh, Sarah uh, basically escapes and lived in the woods by herself for about a week and just traveled east towards Ukraine. And once she got there, she uh, gets a job as a nanny raising two little boys to a farmer and his younger wife. She poses as uh, her best friend who was Orthodox Christian and hid in plain sight for the two years uh, that she was working on this farm Mm. uh, 
until the area was eventually liberated by the Russian army. So that's the uh, that's the, the short version of right, what the right, film is about. Right. So, um, was, and so she, uh, this is it's actually a true story. Then it is a true story. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she survived and immigrated to the United States and uh, grew up, raised a family in uh, outside of, of Detroit, in suburban Detroit. And she uh, unfortunately passed away in 2018. Oh. But uh, she uh, married another one of the survivors of the town that she was from. There were about a dozen of them, and uh, she and he uh, got married in uh, in Europe, and then immigrated to uh, to the states in 1949. Okay. So, was there ever any any point in time when, like? she almost got found out or, you know, just really a close call in terms of getting uh, exposed or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really throughout the whole two years that she was living on this farm, it was according to her, you know, pretty, pretty tenuous. Uh, you know, she, she was tested from the moment that she arrived there really until the end, obviously for, for good reason. Uh, if, you know, any, uh, Ukrainians were found to be harboring, or Poles for that matter, were, were found to be harboring Jews. And obviously, they would have would have been killed. Uh, so the farmer and his wife had to ensure that uh, that she was uh, who she said she was. So um, fortunately for Sarah, she was good friends with a girl that uh, was Orthodox Christian, and in fact. Uh, stuck around during religion class and attended some of the religion classes with her friend mm. and learned how to, to, um, you know, and basically lead, pass off as a yeah. Christian yeah, yeah, so knew that, all the rituals and yeah. was able to, to, uh, you know, um, pull off the roost basically for almost right. two years. How, how did you find out? Did she write a book or how did you find out about this, this, this story and, and, and then bring it to life? Yeah, sure. She um, no, she never wrote a book. In fact, she never really even talked about the experience much. It was really too painful for her. And uh, by the time that I first met her in 2016, uh, she was suffering severely from post-traumatic stress oh, yeah. and also uh, Parkinson's and, and some dementia. Mm. Uh, but um, she, Sarah, took two testimonies, one with the United States Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and the other with the USC Shoah Foundation. And both of them were about an hour and a half long. And those testimonies served as, uh, you know, the framework for the narrative that the screenwriter and I, uh, you know, wove uh, our story within. Um, there, the film was, was um, produced, executive produced by two gentlemen, one of whom is the son of Sarah. And he and the other executive producer both serve on the board of the USC Shoah Foundation, mm -hmm. and they're friendly. And they took a trip to Ukraine in 2013 to retrace Sarah's steps. They went wow. to Koretz, the town that she was born in, and mm -hmm. then Tudorov, the village that she hid in. And uh, through that process, discovered a lot of her story mm -hmm. and illuminated really you know, what, what she had gone through in order to survive. And it was that trip that ultimately seeded uh, the, the making of the film. I was then about um, a year later uh, approached by, by one of uh, those executive producers uh, who told me about the experience, told me about the trip they had taken, and then sent me uh, Sarah's testimony with the USC Show Foundation. And I watched it immediately and thought that it was uh, remarkable. Um, right, right. Not so much for as really the, um, 
it, you know, the, the film doesn't deal much with largely the, the atrocities of the Holocaust or the, you know, the, the, the horrific acts. It, yeah. I like to say it kind of focuses more on the collateral damage of the Holocaust and right. the relationships that this uh, young child really had to navigate in order to survive. And I thought that that was, uh, you know, a, a kind of fresh ground for us to, to pursue making the film. So she was, she was 12. Um, when, when were they, I guess they were liberated, I guess a couple of years after that she was a little more, a little bit older than when, when the, the war finally ended and she was liberated. That's right. Yeah, so she was uh, 42 was, was when she gets to, to the farm and, um, and uh, the area was liberated in 45. So okay. uh, just a little over, little over two years yeah. she was living there. And then uh, she ended up um, going back to the town that she was born and raised in for a okay. few months uh, and then ended up in a displaced persons camp and then ultimately uh, in 49 came to the state. Huh. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it starts this uh, Friday night um, uh, at Marymount. Uh, anything you want to f- add and finish with? And uh, uh, it's it, it sounds really interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody would probably like to go see it. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And, you know, I'm, you know just uh, we're obviously very excited about the fact that, that it, it's opening there in Cincinnati yeah. uh, and that, you know, we, we're, we're we're getting, uh, you know, the exposure that that uh, we had hoped. The film was originally supposed to be released in June of 2020, okay, but yeah, the yeah. COVID, you know, was put on the shelf. And and ironically, uh, you know, in that time, given the war in Ukraine, uh, the, the the story has become even more relevant. You know, right, it was right. nothing that we could have ever uh, anticipated. But um, uh, yeah, the film takes place entirely in Ukraine. Uh, it was shot in Poland, but, um, you know, the, the story is really more of a Ukrainian story, I like to say, than a Jewish story, because for 95% of the film, she is uh, living as a, a Ukrainian, you know, and, and, and yeah, uh, yeah. disguising her true identity. Okay. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really a, a beautiful film and a very powerful message, and it's uh, something that, that uh, you know, we hope gets out there as much as possible, and we've, uh, I believe, that this weekend will be up to about 30 or 35 cities in, uh, in wow. the States that it's been distributed. And, um, you know, if, if people uh, hear this and feel compelled to go out and, and, and see it, you know, I, I, um, I urge them to do so. And, yep. and uh, you know, um, I thank them for, uh, for, for getting there. All right. So we want to thank uh, Stephen Ort, uh, director of uh, the film My Name is Sarah, for coming on the show. And uh, all the best of luck and success to you, you going forward. Thanks, and uh, Appreciate it very uh, much. Yeah. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. Take care. Very good. Very good. All right. So that concludes our show for today. And uh, <clears throat> it's been a pleasure with my lovely wife. Wait What's a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Can't forget that. Oh, isn't that nice? Okay. Um, so thank you, everyone. Um, also, I wanted to say a little program note, and that is we want to get our numbers up. And so I want everybody in the audience to at least mention our podcast to at least one or two of their friends and get them listening to our podcast because it's interesting. Every week we talk about the latest news, what's going on around the world, what's going on in Cincinnati, and we want everybody to start getting that, you know, getting into that. So tell your friends, tell your family members, call your mom, 
uh, maybe your dad, you know, your children, tell them to start listening to the podcast. Well, plus the podcast has, you know, little extras, little extra experiences like today's, you know, ad hoc interviews. You yes. just can't, you can't get that get just that by you. reading the right. paper. All right. So thank you everybody for joining us. And Until next week. All right. Bye-bye.